You're listening to The Pedestal from Mike on Much. Presented by Much Studios. Welcome to season two of The Pedestal. Did I say it right this season, guys? The Pedestal. Yeah. yeah. I've been trying to get uh, to say the word right, The Pedestal, The Pedestal, The Pedestal. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I also host another pod called The Mike and Much Podcast. And joining us is Shane Cunningham, who is also on that podcast, but a movie guy in his own right. And... The man that's also sitting in this booth is Jonathan Popolis, who is a writer and a director, award-winning, as we said many times in season one, um, and also a Mensa member, which we uh, he contractually has a say in every episode. He's 6'5", he's wearing a tight shirt with a lightning bolt on it, and four pieces of paper with typed up... I always have notes in front of me. You so. have a lot of notes, John. Yeah, I, feel yeah. like you, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. I feel like you've been gearing up for season two. I have. Yeah. You this are movie ready. in particular. Well, it's good to be back with you guys, first of all, just because, again, we, I, I can't remember the last time we recorded. We recorded Jaws with the season finale of season one, yeah. so go back and listen if you haven't. Uh, guys, on the season two premiere, we are doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is a classic from 1990 that we all grew up, I'm sure, loving and watching. We'll get to what we thought when we saw it initially. Uh, but just for some context, guys, like I said, this movie came out in 1990, and it was the fifth highest grossing film of that year. Want to do the countdown and try and figure out what were the other four highest grossing films of that year? 1990. You got it. Was there an Indiana Jones movie that year? There was not. Home Alone wasn't out yet. Number one, baby. Ooh. Was? Number one of 1990 is Home Alone. Okay, yeah. That was that was in theaters for like 13 months. With Goodfellas? Not on that there. list. Nope. Dances with Wolves? Number though? three, baby. All right, Dances with Wolves. So we've got five Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We got three Dances with Wolves, and we got one, which is Home Alone. So we need four and two. Wait, um... Goodfellas wouldn't be there. I said Goodfellas. No. Oh, so you said that? Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm not listening. <laughs> Sorry. I, well, I went in, like, thought mode, and I don't listen when I'm thinking. You want me to just give them to you? Yeah, hit me. All right. So, like we said, number five is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number four oh. is Pretty Woman. No. Number three, Dances with Wolves. Number two, Ghost. His, wow. Your favorite movie. He's pointing at <laughs> Shane, and Shane is incredulous. <laughs> I know. You've told me. You've said that, in a previous podcast of this that... Because one of the guys who directed Airplane directed this movie. Uh, we talked about it in the yeah. airplane in the airplane yeah. but I'm just if if you haven't heard that episode, I'm letting you know now. It's a kind of a cool fact. One of the Zucker brothers did Ghost. It's just only film he ever did that wasn't comedic. Well, there you go. And uh, number one was Home Alone, like we said. So that gives you some idea of what was going on in the movie world in 1990. Uh, so, guys, this movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, made 202 million dollars on a budget of 27 million. Uh, I always over, I've overguessed every time I'm going to under and say 15 million. Oh, so close. $13.5 million. Finally. First time. That's cheap foam rubber though. (laughs) (laughs) Like you would think that would cost way more. (laughs) Save it for the, uh, the reasons to knock it off. Uh, we no, by the I'm saying they got a great deal on the on the rubber. Oh, yes, you're saying it was yeah, I don't want to say it looked cheap because I love the look. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. We okay, all agree cool. on awesome. That. I'm glad we're gonna get into okay, that. Okay, so boys, <laughs> like we said on this podcast, we like to get into what we thought of it when we first saw it, uh, what we think of it now, pros, cons. We will make a case for keeping it on the pedestal, and then we will make a case for knocking it off the pedestal. And at the end, the three of us will come to a consensus on whether or not to keep Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the pedestal. So let's start it up. Guys, what did you think when you first saw this movie in 1990 as young men, children, children? Jeez, we were kids. I, Shane speaking here, uh, was unbelievably excited for this film. I was the perfect age. I was six, and I was seeing this film on my birthday. 
in wow. theaters. And just going to any movie at that age was very exciting in the theater. Like it was the most exciting. On your thing. seventh birthday. Yes. Right. And I was, but I was six, and then uh, I saw it for my birthday, but not right before. Yeah, six I was still six, six and eleven months. I'm glad we cleared that up. Just Important information. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to do internal <laughs> math in my head. I know how old right you now. are. <laughs> Try to give yourself an extra year. And it was <laughs> one of the best movie going experiences of my life. Like, there's two I really remember seeing as a young person, which would be Indiana Jones and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, and I was blown away. I couldn't believe how good the action scenes were, how real the turtles looked. And, uh, yeah, it was like a dream come true. Johnny? I would say that no other, I guess, franchise had a bigger effect on my life than Ninja Turtles. Like, I, when I was a little kid, I watched the cartoon. This is even before the movie came out. Like, crazy. So I watched every episode. I owned every single toy. I had all the turtles and all the bad guys, and I had the, the paddy wagon and the thing and the sewer playset. I had, like, everything. So by, even by the time this movie, that's, this movie was aimed, like, directly at a kid like me. I don't even fully remember. I don't know if I saw it in theaters or what, because it's, again, one of those movies that I've now seen so many times since. I can't remember the first time I saw it other than just, like, I've seen it a million times. And I know me and Shane have talked about this before. I got so obsessed with this movie that I, like, compelled my dad to sign me up for karate classes Oh, yeah. Because, like, I want to be a ninja and kick and punch. Yeah. And then you do karate class and it's nothing like... Ninja Turtles. No, you also started consuming ooze, which was yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, traveling out with rats. It was Spent great. That summer in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're a six-year-old listening to this, I just want to say karate sucks. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It's, it's real boring. nothing like turtle power. Katas are the most boring, monotonous thing. Yeah. You have to I, memorize, like, blocks. It's and, like dancing. Yeah. It's pretty I, bad. Everyone has a, a karate story, but mine is that I got to Yellow Belt. My dad signed me up. I begged him to sign me up for karate. And then about... I w- after the yellow belt, belt. Belt is like your stool, eh? <laughs> after my For yellow season belt. Season two, it's belt. Yeah. Uh, after my yellow belt, I decided to stop going. But I was only in like grade four. And so I would skip with my friend Kevin. Because the only thing I liked about oh. karate class was that. They, uh, <laughs> like skipping we would, rope. We had to get our fitness in I still. I don't think sports are his thing. <laughs> You're like double dutching with his butt. And he's like, isn't this so much better than karate? Maybe athletics. I don't know quite what Mike's into. More so an I, art boy. I would skip the classes. And uh, because only that was good was in the last 15 minutes, you get to play freeze tag. So you just wait for the games at the end. And then my dad was livid, not because I quit, but because he'd paid for the classes up front. So he's like, don't waste my money. That is, I've I've learned that since that you're that that's. Yeah, it's how gyms operate, too. Did your brother, Greg? He never took it. I don't think my dad was willing to, to invest again, knowing the Veerman boys. And uh, See, I dragged my sister, made her go, and she ended up going all the way to Black Belt. Really? Wow. Getting really into it, being uh, winning all these crazy trophies and shit. I quit at Yellow. Yeah, same as I, I made it to blue. Wow. But that was mostly just because you pay in advance. And I just kept going. Wasn't any kind of, I don't think I've retained yeah. any one of those katas. Your parents paid in advance till blue belt? Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> It'll stick around at least three years. <laughs> I was, I didn't do like any, I was, I didn't know sports at all when I was like a little kid. So at least it was something that my dad could hang his hand on that like, maybe he'll go do this. But I was awful. At it. I was just terrible. Yeah. So, I hated going. So if you are a six-year-old, like Shane said, listening to this podcast, and if you are, thank you, because we'll take any listeners. It's a little advanced <laughs> for your age, but uh, karate sucks, so yep. skip it. Uh, but my experience with this film uh, when I was a kid 
is very much like you, Shane. There's two movies I distinctly remember being excited about and going to the theater for because it was a big deal when you were a little kid. And, like, little, little kid. And that was this, like, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie and Ghostbusters 2. Remember me and my best friend at the time, Chris Day, like, for Ghostbusters 2, were, like, we were flashing the peace sign at each other because the ghost and the logo had the number two, like, in his hands, like, a little peace sign. And I remember waiting in line for this Ninja Turtles movie. And my dad brought us, I remember, because my, my dad didn't bring us to a lot of movies um, just because he falls asleep in theaters and stuff like that. And so my brother and I... Uh, we're in line and it was like around the fucking block uh, in Hamilton, Ontario. And we were so, so, so excited. That theater was like lit. It's like the first time I'd ever been in a theater where all the kids, it was opening day and all the kids were like insane. It was like parents that brought their kids and kids that were just jacked, like on sugar and excitement. And it was one of the funnest experiences I ever had in that theater that day. And it kind of made me fall in love with going to see movies in the theater. So that's, we all love this as a kid. Oh yeah, uh, huge. You obviously seem like you're obsessed, John, with, with the Ninja Turtles as a whole. Yeah. I love the cartoon. Um, Who's yeah. your favorite turtle? That's the obvious question. Raphael for me all day, all night. Oh my God. Loved Raph. I know. He's okay. way too emotional. I know, but I thought he was deep. Was my favorite from the movie or who was my favorite overall? Yeah, because there is a difference. There, there is. is a difference. Yeah. From this film, who's your favorite? Is it Would it still be Raph? Yes, it would. I think overall, my answer is Donatello. I Me always like Donatello. I love Corey, I love Corey Feldman's voice. He really brings it in this. Eh? Like they, they make Donatello's kind of perfect. He's he's the perfect amount of funny and intelligent, and all of that like mixed into one. He's like all the turtles' best traits mixed into one. But in the cartoon, it was Michelangelo. Just because he was the funny one. And See, I always wanted to be the funny guy. They tried to set Mike up as a funny one in this movie. They I did. know, but... It didn't land for you? Oh, it, he had some He had some good jokes. Ninja Kick the Damn Rabbit is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Come on! Don't just... Ninja Kick the Damn Rabbit! Do something! Well, come on, well, We're going to have to talk about your sense <laughs> you of humor. You don't like Ninja Kick the Damn Rabbit? Come on. <laughs> one of my problems with the movie is that it's lacking jokes. Funny but, Mikey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Donatello is just as funny as Michelangelo in this. I, yeah, I, they're they're kind of a duo in this movie. I in think. the cartoon, they make Donatello way more of like a tech nerd. See, that's why I like in the cartoon, he was like the nerdy guy who could beat the crap out of people, which is to, to connected very. I like Michelangelo. Nothing ever seemed so serious that you had to really like worry. Like if a bunch of bad guys were were around, he could still crack a joke and kick some ass. Right, that's what I liked. And uh, no one's going to say Leonardo. And no. He's, I, yeah. You know, it's tough. <laughs> Leonardo in this, he's way worse than he is in the cartoon. We'll get in the into cartoon, Leonardo. he's kind of cool. He fucking sucks in this movie. Sorry for the six-year-olds listening. <laughs> my Sorry, six-year-olds. Well, like yeah, Leonardo all... fans wearing their blue bandanas, like slowly taking them off, sadly. <laughs> they, it's so Putting them in a shredder. Talking about nice. uh, the sort of character types and like the way that they've built these guys out. We can, and I guess we'll stick to the movie for the cases of this podcast. Yeah. Um, but I saw, and I don't, maybe somebody's written this, I did not read this, but just watching this again as an adult for literally the first time in years, I thought, I saw a lot of similarities with like, I almost wonder if they molded them after the Beatles. Cause it was like, Raph was John, Leonardo was Paul, Donatello was George, and then Mikey was Ringo. Like, interesting. The way that the four of them interacted and even their roles within the group, I was like, I wonder if the dudes writing this actually use those as like archetypes. Maybe uh -huh, I'm seeing maybe. something where I there is nothing. I I might have heard this, but I did feel like when I was watching it that Andrew Dice Clay was kind of the inspiration be behind Raph. I can see that. The way he was yeah, speaking I can see and acting. Yeah, he... he like really, like... Uh, yeah, he reminded me almost of a... It's funny, I should have wrote it down, but I, I, I'm blanking on this. But it wasn't Dice Clay, but he did remind me of, like... 
Yeah, a certain a certain actor, and I can't remember who it was, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Neither here nor there. Um, okay, so that's what we all thought of it then. Um, that's what we thought. Of, and the first time we saw it, we loved it. All three of us loved yeah. it. This was like Big a seminal movie Huge. from our childhood. I was walking on clouds after I saw this movie, and I just wanted to someone to start some shit with me so I could kick their ass. Because <laughs> beating people up seemed easy. Well, you know, I, okay. Walking so, around with nunchucks. Yeah. So before we rewatch, we re- before we watch this movie again for, for the purposes of this podcast, and maybe John can't speak to this because I'm guessing you've watched this movie a million times over the years. I saw it when I was a kid, and then when it came out on VHS, I probably saw it like another like 10 times, but that all happened probably before 1996. I feel like most people. I got to say that's most people. So that's 96. Yeah. We are now, almost, we're 20 years later, 22 years later. I haven't watched it again. So it was interesting watching it again, but if you had asked me before I watched it again what I distinctly remembered, it would be like, honestly, Raph falling through the glass and him like thinking he was dead. And as a kid being like that really kind of moving you and the splinter uh, fire scene where he speaks to them when they're all meditating. Yeah, right. Those are the, and those are emotional things. Like I didn't remember the fighting or anything like that. It was interesting watching it again. And you know, they're almost like, well, we got to get to an action scene. We've almost had too much plot or, you know, mm-hmm. character development. And then they get to the, the fun action scenes. So guys, what are the reasons for keeping it on the pedestal guys? What did we like? What do we think the best scene was? And what was the best performance? So let's start with what we liked about this film. What worked for you guys? Well, we alluded to it before. So let's get in. I can get into it right now that I think I almost thought the look that the puppetry, the Jim Henson puppetry and the Mel's and the stuff was not going to hold up. I was almost ready for that to be one Great of the things point. I dislike. But I think it works fantastic. That was fucking awesome. That was amazing. I, I, cause, <laughs> because it probably benefited because we thought it was going to be hack or cheesy. But I was like, this is really good for 1990. They kept getting worse. Yeah. Like, for yeah, some reason, weird? the technology somehow got worse. And the one they did in 2014 with Michael Bay, they didn't even bother with the foam rubber. It was all computer generated. Yeah. And it just looks unwatchable. Well, because things in camera, uh, to me, I even wrote that down while I was watching, like effects in camera will always hold up better than like CGI stuff. Yeah. So like a, a, a foam rubber thing shot in 1990, for sure to my eyes, because that's how I saw in 1990, some CGI bullcrap from, ni- from 1996 looks awful now. Like yeah. it doesn't hold up at all. So it actually helps it from aging poorly. I also noticed the film was very, like, um, visually dark. I mean, it's also yeah. thematically dark in a lot of ways, but they shot a lot of stuff dark so you can cover those seams. The only daylight stuff I could think of was when they're fixing the truck and he's in the truck, Donatello, and then they do a training montage at the farm. Right. And that's kind of, mm-hmm. but that's a lot of wide shots. That's like, and there's not a lot of tight. So I noticed like a lot of the fight scenes and stuff up close, it's always at nighttime or like in the sewer. And it's like, if you can. So you think that was to hide the outfits, not that just the turtles only come out at night. Yeah. I think that Whatever in a lot. it was, it worked. Like I yeah. think the dark moodiness of the movie You can't was get fantastic. totally into, yeah. and, and actually just the way I consumed this film, I watched half of it in 1080p. I, I found it and then the link died nice. so that I watched the other half in like a very fuzzy kind of whatever. But the 1080p stuff, I was really, really impressed. Again, like, I, I, yeah, I mean, it holds up. And like you said, Shane, it actually just gets worse the more they go. I wish more superhero movies were like this. Yeah. Like where they actually get into character development and motivations and the people seem kind of real. Like, I feel like this and Dark Knight are like, more similar than they are different. I yeah. agree. Well, they get into Very who much. Raphael is almost immediately. Like we learn about who Raphael is. Like in that first scene where they come down, well here, okay, first of all, one of the things I remember being a kid is you know how like, that first, they kind of have an opening montage with the wallets being passed and they sort of establish very well immediately how this organized crime syndicate works. Like you're like, they just showed us visually exactly how this whole crime thing goes down. So you're like, that's great. 
And then they save April O'Neil, and then it goes down to the sewer, yeah. and then you hear like the music kick in, and there's the freeze frame. Dudes and dudettes, Major League Butt Kicking is back in town. Oh, yeah. I like the music in this movie too, by the way. It was really, it's very nostalgic. It's, it's so cheesy, but it works. Yeah. yeah. But I remember when that freeze frame happened with the shadow and then the logo came up, like the theater went fucking nuts. Mm -hmm. And I got a little bit of that when I was watching it again this time. And then immediately they start joking and you're like, okay, we're getting to know their personalities. Like, I think this movie was really well thought out for, for an, a kid's superhero movie that literally is based on a comic and a TV show. Well, it was well shot. Yeah. They thought about transitions totally. and scenes and... The only part that was a little clunky was the initial news report. And I was like, oh, is this writing all going to be like kind of- It goes on for a while. Yeah, it was like it's way like, too long. Still, if I was yeah. watching this news report on TV- but That I'd was the only off. part. Right after that, everything was really tight, I thought. I think it's crazy. Like, I love how you said that I wish more superhero movies were done like this. It's so bold and ballsy to have a movie like this that just starts like cold- I'm not, there's no, like, they, it takes, I wrote it down, it takes 23 minutes before they get into, like, who the turtles are. And yeah. They just, they're just turtles, and they're fighting, and they're making jokes, and they're ordering pizza, and they're things, and they're just, and they're building, and we're, and we're kind of trusting the audience that you know what you're here for. The name of the movie is the concept, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So we've trusted that we don't, like, Batman, for instance, they've done the origin story for Batman, like, a million times. Yeah. Spider-Man, the origin story, a million times. But for the turtle, it just it was very I don't know who convinced someone that they were able to do this. That like if I if I had no idea the Ninja Turtles were, I would have been thought this movie was the most insane movie I've ever seen in my life. If I just went in without any context whatsoever. Until you but got to it. that like 25 sure. minute mark where where Splinter tells they need April as sort of a device to mm -hmm. then explain to the audience because she's like, What the fuck is going on here? And then he's like, Here's the story. And then he goes in and then it's like, oh, now we're learning the backstory. But we've already been sitting through almost a half hour of a movie before yeah. we even yeah, got it's to great. That. That's also the benefit of like doing a massively popular kids' property. And the the exposition is in the title. Yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja uh, Turtles. Yeah. It's like, that's it. You, don't need, it. you don't need to know, to know so much more. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of April, by the way, I, I thought she was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Love her. I think she's the best. I'm, I'm, maybe we'll get into that afterwards. But I, like, I feel like she carries the movie. Like, like you said, she allows for exposition to happen without it feeling like it's happening. Yeah. So, so, and she's, she's a strong female. She's fighting ninjas. She's, she's she a never, good, good actress, too. Like, I, I enjoyed good. watching oh, yeah. her. Like, why didn't she come back for number two? Apparently she didn't, she, there's something about how they, she didn't like how this movie turned out. I never saw her work again. She's good in this. I, she showed up in Armageddon. I remember when I saw an Armageddon. Oh my God, is she Will Patton's wife? Yeah, someone's wife where she wow. runs, you know what I mean? And I remember seeing theater, I'm like, hey, April O'Neil, it's the that's first time he, I've seen her in years. That's when he brings the spaceship. Cause he's like, he does, his wife will let it. him see his kid. Cause he's like a strange, he's like a driller, oil driller. Yeah. And he comes up and he's like, I'm uh, going away for a while. Yep. She's like, okay. It's like, just just tell the kid I'm thinking about him. And he leaves the spaceship. That's just the yeah. And then she sees on the news, like her fucking oil driller guys, like walking in slow motion about to go save the world. He's probably not coming back. And then the kid like now has pride in his dad. And like the, you know, this estranged father, weird side story. That was it her. Connected Michael Bay all the way to, uh, yeah. The new Ninja Turtles. The turtles. Yeah, man. There you Anyways. go. I definitely fell in love with April though. Like when I was oh, a kid, yeah. I remember oh. being in love with her. because The turtles loved her. So I loved her. But as an adult, I love her still. I thought one thing I thought was good. This is a good thing, but like watching it now, 
And when they go to the, uh, you know, where the crime syndicate hangs out, which is all these teen kids, <laughs> and the one kid's got, he's like a 10-year-old with a cigar in his mouth. And I he's love playing that, cool. though. Me too. I'm saying yeah. this is a good thing. But if you're trying to establish, like, like who didn't want to run away and join a crime syndicate after watching this? There's skateboarding. And you know who that kid, that kid was, obviously. Who? The kid showing him around. Oscar winner, Sam oh, Rockwell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who was it? Sam, Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Oh, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Well, was Michael Imperioli the guy that was running from Raph? When Raph comes out of Critters, and then the two guys steal the uh, the, the first time we see I Casey Jones, I think that kid from was, Sopranos. Yeah, it's like a, it's it? like a fourteen year old Michael Imperioli. I could be wrong. I, I don't think it, it can be. I don't think the the age lines up because he was in Basketball Diaries and he was fairly New York. Yeah, actors, man. I'll look it up. Could Chat be and fellas. But anyway, I, that I, that I, clubhouse was I, that clubhouse awesome. might be my on my other other side of it. Okay. It's just there's some issues with what? it. What are you kidding? <laughs> that is like the biggest fantasy clubhouse. It made is me. Is it really? I. They're playing roulette. <laughs> were you when you're like ten? Were you hoping to like play roulette? I always wanted to be and a have roulette like dude. A, a designated wall you can spray paint on. It felt very. I don't know. It felt oh, strange. It's like the Lost Boys. I'm not gonna go. I wouldn't go crazy. But for how me, much. it was something I both wanted to be a part of and feared. It was okay. perfect. Like it was like ooh, bad kids, and. Uh, it was the only thing was I like how they're drinking, they're smoking cigars, they're gambling, they're doing everything, but they're drinking soda. Like alcohol is a line they refuse to cross. I love that where it's like you can do anything you want. Check it out, man. Anything you guys want, we got. Anything you want to do, do it. You know what I'm saying? Anything. Got any cigarettes? Got any cigarettes? I'm like, you can. You don't have to come down here to smoke, kid. Like, yeah. if you want to do literally anything you want, then his number one thing is I want to smoke a cigarette. But I think when you're a kid, especially at that time, that's something you want to try to be badass, and you're definitely afraid of your parents finding out. Sure, I'm not going to go crazy that I dislike the. the it was a little. Have you seen over Succession? Oh yeah, I love that show. show. It's okay, incredible. You, you know in the uh, the bachelor party. Yeah, the Prague. I I feel like they ripped the the bachelor party area off from. All right. <laughs> but they were playing that for you agree were, with that? But they were playing that for jokes. And I don't know if this was meant to be humorous. I think this was meant to really like I think the the succession one is meant to be like, look how ridiculous this is. But still, the succession one, I had the same feeling when I was watching Ninja Turtles. You were wishing you were oh my god following yes. your own load? Well <laughs> did it bother you guys that they make it seem like manholes are so easy to uh, get off. Wait, that sounds weird. <laughs> Did you come up with that in advance? No, because that doesn't make sense. Manholes are easy manholes to get off. Easy to get off. It's pretty good. I like it. Um, well, no, but I always wanted to go in a manhole. <laughs> no, but I wanted, to, I wanted to remove a manhole, but they're always fucking glued down so uh-huh. tight. The turtles make it seem like you're just like... Alley oop, and you I hop did, down. In the I sewer always system. thought this, the fact that it even took place in a sewer was kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. there's like poop down there. I always felt it was strange. To me, it would be fun to go in the sewer system. At that time, I wasn't thinking about shit so much. But it's just none of those uh, little things that lead to the sewer are ever big enough for a human to fit. Inside. Do you think that? Do you think there was a rash of like kids trying to like go down into sewers? Like yeah, after may- there had to be. Right? I, yeah, I would think so. Maybe New York City sewers are larger than Hamilton, Ontario sewers where we grew up. No, I went to New York. The man. You went down into the sewers. Yeah. No, I did. I couldn't fit. But that never bothered you guys that they make it seem like manholes. Didn't cross my mind. No, never crossed my mind once. Oh, okay. I mean, I I get what you're saying. It's like the sort of brands of magic will accept. Like we're watching a movie about turtles that have been mutated by ooze that are karate ninjas, Mm -hmm. but you're bothered by the size of the manholes. Yeah, and when I watched the movie It, like the remake, and they they. The clowns down there in the sewer. I'm like, you know, they had to. This is an actual thing. They had to make because the suits didn't fit into regular. They had to build little sets built right above that and make really super big 
manholes so the guys in the suits can go down. For the Ninja so, Turtles. So what you saw was were like fake to really, really ultra mm-hmm. big manhole covers. What did you guys think of the humor? Did you guys think of the humor? I mean, I enjoyed that there was a moonlighting reference. I That's one of my jokes. <laughs> yeah, which I is like that. hilarious. Like, it's like, okay. They didn't give a shit if kids got the jokes and they, they knew parents are going to be dragged to go to yeah, this movie. which is oh, great. Yeah, I, I, I liked, although this is very risque, I did laugh at this when they said uh, to... <laughs> to Casey Jones. They're like, you're claustrophobic. You're a claustrophobic. <laughs> you want a fist in the mouth? Mm-mm. I've never even looked at another guy before. He's like, I've never even looked at a guy. That's a little problematic. Yeah. <laughs> is it though? Yeah. But it, it can, is. Can't yeah, because he's a homophobe. It's a gay panic joke. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, I, I would never be gay, you know? And it's like, well, what's wrong with that? No, but he's just saying I'm, I'm not gay. Yeah, I know. I wrote specifically. But that's it. He's not maybe, maybe he doesn't. This movie isn't old enough for acceptable. The thought that they, I'm saying for now, for then, of course, all that shit's funny. But for now, the thought that them thinking he would be gay, that would be offensive, shows that that Casey Jones is kind of an asshole. I've got (laughs) got Casey Jones on my list for some, 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 in the back end. I think Elias Codius, I don't want to pronounce his name. I think he's Canadian. He's from Toronto. He's a Greek guy. He's a journeyman actor. He's been in a million things. I think he... (laughs) Why'd you slip in he's a Greek guy? Is that because you're Greek Canadian? Greek guy from Toronto, of course. (laughs) Um, Greek Canadian. No wonder you had this film on DVD. He was the hero in the Populous family. (laughs) I love Casey Jones. Yeah, you got like a a, a painting of uh, Elias He played the part. He was great. He was very charismatic. So charismatic. But there were some very... There were some issues. We'll get there if that's okay. But can't you have... Like, can't you have a problematic character like Archie Bunker, who's kind of racist but still laugh at some of the stuff? That I think goes his on? problems won't be. Do whatever you want. I think the no, but I'm the saying joke, the joke notwithstanding, I think there's. But can you guys not laugh at a joke like that because you hate the character so much? Like, I I think in these like woke times, it's like I don't find like when Archie Bunker's like. Uh, racist and it's like laughably like well that's just him he's an old man and it's like we like we laugh that off like the way like our grandparents maybe are racist or whatever it's like when it's now a character in pop culture that people are like looking at i can't just personally watch it in the same way because i go i know that it's satire but it's like other people are gonna go like see archie gets it so it's like this day and age i'm just kind of like it's not worth it so like oh like the, the ninja troll said something to casey jones he interpreted it as they think i'm gay he goes i've never looked at a man in my life it's like, all right, who cares? And that's the entirety of the joke. That's the thing. So it's that's not fine. even. F- and like in 1990, what, that plays. I, I feel like if if you said to me right now, uh, like Shane, you're being claustrophobic, I'd be like, I never looked at a man in my life. I feel like we could laugh at that. Because the joke is, you're dumb enough to think that the the word is is is. But it would, sure, it would be you knowing in on the. There's something about his him really actually being scared that they think he's gay versus you. Just kind of making like an aside joke. I don't know. I guess, yeah. I, also, just, just wasn't saying, funny as so. well. My problems I with Casey Jones go well beyond that joke. That's not the the joke is one little. His thing. aggressive massage. Here's what I would say. His like, what? Yeah. Oh, we can get there. That was funny. aggressive massage. That scene was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. like that wouldn't. Well, stop. Casey Casey Jones. Yeah, we can get to him. We'll get to him. Yeah. stuff, but the uh, like I, he is very. Elias Codius is is. Very handsome and very good. He's a charismatic actor. Like if he were called claustrophobic and he somehow thought the word had something to do with a colonoscopy, mm-hmm. that's safer for some reason because it's not. It's not like acting like it'd be so gross if he if he did identify as gay or if he was. Yeah. It's like you assume I'm gay, like the the, the gay panic. That's the gag. Whatever. Well, in 1990, you know what and I mean. It, so it's it, like, and I'm like, oh yeah, maybe he's slightly worried about someone thinking he's gay when he's not, so he overcompensates. I, th- I think we're getting to the heart of it. Casey yeah. Jones is gay. He could be. He's in a role play, The Mask, maybe. The Sticks. 
I do like Casey Jones, though. Me do too. We, do we, I thought he's one of the, the standout, like, good actors. In I film. thought he was really charismatic. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a great actor, but there was problems with the character. And the problem with the character thing highlights some other problems that, I, that I'll get into after. We'll get there. What okay. else do we like about this film? Uh, let me see here. Oh, I really like this scene. I, I thought this was one of the funnier scenes when uh, a ninja attacks April and he goes to kind of stick his fist out. <laughs> and she's like, what's that? He opens his hand. There's nothing in his hand. And he goes, shut it and slaps, slaps her. her. Yeah. That was shocking of and was. funny. And like, it was like, obviously I don't approve of slapping women, but it was funny that he said. <laughs> all of the stuff Shane likes are all the problems. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, 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 that stood out for me because. Because it is a, it's a funny move because you think that he's presenting her with something. So you're kind of looking into the hand to see what he's going to do. And then he just slaps. Like if that was a Three Stooges gag, that's funny. Mm-hmm. And think, the only reason it's jarring is because she's a woman and he's a Yeah, man. you don't see violence like that. They really went for the violence on women. <laughs> and just in general. Like, yeah, there was a lot of fighting for a movie that's targeted at eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it was, speaking of the humor stuff, I loved seeing the over-the-top stuff like ninjas just like roaming the streets. They're down there in the sewer. They don't have to be dressed in full absolute ninja garb to like attack April O'Neil. They don't have to be, but but I love it's it. Too I think conspicuous. Of if course. I was a oh ninja, yeah. I would ab- dress absolutely. Like a how, how does how there's a, how is this silent crime wave where no one knows what's going on when there's guys running around with like big red bandanas? Like how did literally not one person in the most dense city in the world sees it? But I like it. It's a, there's a kitschy weird well, that's weirdness whole, to it that that works. They're making a cartoon and a comic book. You know, that's kind of like, you know, that's what you're getting into with these movies. It's like, of course, you're gonna have people in stupid outfits. Like, I feel like only when they fight. Do they wear the ninja outfits when they're committing petty crimes? They're just like dressed like street tough. No, that's the underlings. There's a whole there's a whole hierarchy. Yeah, but the the ninjas are just fight. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they don't do the stealing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So the ninjas they only cover themselves so they can't be detected, but they know they're going to fight and get their hands dirty. They just don't want people seeing their faces. Right. Right. So it's like who gives a shit if we're seen, right? What do you think? That's of the- their. Uh, Methodology. What do you think of the pizza delivery? Is that funny to you? Hey, this is a ten. The tab's thirteen. You're two minutes late, dude. Ah, come on. I couldn't find a place. Wise man say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. Is it funny? Was it at work? I, I I couldn't get past the facts that the box would never fit down the sewer grate. <laughs> you know what I thought? I thought no <laughs> pizza man, no pizza man in his right mind would give the pizza before the money. That's no. the only thing that crossed Ooh, my interesting. mind. Interesting. I didn't even no, think that, about that. that. That came by my if mind. If I was a delivery man, there's no fucking way I hand the pizza down before I look at what the bill is. I take the money and then I give the pizza. I also think. And it's a New York City pizza. Come on. He goes, I couldn't find the place. It's one, you, he got to 122 pretty quickly. So yeah, his he, lateness was oh, only he was lied. Like, he lied. He did. He lied. Lie. Okay. He was late. He was absolutely, he's up. a liar. But they still didn't tip. You know, mm-hmm. and that's an arbitrary rule. Three bucks if they're late. Like, yeah, that's weird. when we were kids. What was it? 30, 30 minutes, minutes are free. free. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They got rid of that real quick. Um, cool. Anything and I, else? And I guess we didn't really talk about the turtles. I mean, uh, the uh, their interplay. Like, I know we talked about it before this, but I do think the the uh, the idea of their 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 uh, half the movie is just character development. And Michelangelo and Donatello basically have no stories at all. Like the, the only real story True. is Raphael's. And yet. It's impossible not to like them. Like, they're charming. They make little jokes. What do you and mean they have no stories? Like, this, Donatello doesn't have a character arc. There's no, there's nothing that brings me from A to B to C with Donatello. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides the larger, 
Splinter getting kidnapped. I agree. Kidnapped. Raph, Raph is like the, the deepest one, yeah. meaning like he has the most psychological issues and he's kind of, he's the leader kind of, but then he's got these issues with Leonardo being the leader. And then Leonardo this is like my John and Paul his story. Thing. And so then Leonardo, by way of the, the Raph story, we learn who Leonardo is. He's kind of like, uh, he's like the, the daddy's boy. He's a bit of the suck up. He always does the right thing. He's like very sort of like cautious. Uh, and then, so that's like contrasting leadership styles between him and a more impulsive Raphael. Right. The other two are literally just kind of comic relief to play off of each other. They don't take things so seriously, but we don't know what motivates them other than pizza. And I guess Don fixes the truck with Casey Jones. So it kind of alludes to the technical aspect of Donatello's yeah. personality. It feels like that's a lot of, rest- I like that. It feels like there's some restraint to, to trust that I'm the, the kids and the people watching are going to like these other two. Yeah, they're Michael- joke machines. They're joke machines. And, and it's that's fine. fine. And it works. And at no point am I like, oh man, what's what's Michelangelo thinking in this scene? Like it really, it just it works. Even though traditional storytelling would suggest you're supposed to give everyone some kind of motivation or arc. Well, it's just, they're trying to get Splinter yeah, back. There's a loyalty larger. and honor, and we know what they all kind of represent. Yeah. Like, pizza is just what they like to eat. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Splinter character and just even like they built in a lot of story into this thing. And honestly, I thought they did for a kid's movie. They did a pretty good job of like understanding like that Splinter raised these children, you know, because he found them in the ooze and that how they feel. He's not only their mentor and sensei, but he is their father and they are a family. Yeah. And then you have these sort of like um, outside people like April and Casey Jones become a part of this family, but you actually do care because you're like, by the end, it's like you do know that the four of these boys care so much for Splinter and Splinter is sort of the moral good in the center of the film. He's the most knowledgeable person in the film. He represents good. And then again, we don't even hear his full origin story until there's 15 minutes left in the yeah, movie, yeah. which is fascinating. Do you like how they did those flashbacks? I enjoyed the flashbacks. Yeah, they're like stylistic. Them. Yeah, they're very cool. Yeah. they're awesome. One day, I came upon a shattered glass jar and four baby turtles. That was us. <laughs> well, and even once they would go into the telling, the, so the first flashback where we learned what they used, whenever the, the yeah. yeah, they were in like a dark room when they would comment. It was like almost like a play. Like a stage like, play, yeah. Exactly. It was really cool. So stylistic down, choice. There's like Dutch angles on the turtles. That's me. And yeah, it was good. It was weird. Such such huge, big, bold choices for enjoy, a kid's movie. I enjoyed, too, when he's like, and then I was surprised when they said their first words. And he's like, pizza! <laughs> <laughs> the, those moments are like, pizza, this is so pizza. stupid. But that's radical, 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 radical. 100%. Okay, tell me if this is intentional comedy. I remember as a kid, we were in the theater, and my dad didn't laugh a ton when we watched movies. There was one part my dad was howling he was snorting covering his face and crying i'd never seen my dad laugh so hard and i didn't get it now watching it oh my I'm god i'm laughing what my ass off Hold on. this I, is my story really uh, you call my brother right now this is our dads were in the same boat i know exactly what scene you're talking about my dad falls asleep mm-hmm. in movies doesn't laugh doesn't care my dad's the same yeah the yeah. build up for this is incredible what scene are you my talking dad about? fucking died laughing you call my brother i almost i mean i'm not gonna say that that you're misremembering but me and my brother have been telling this story for years is it the cagney oh, no. scene my no. dad will act out this scene yeah my dad literally gets like a rat and starts like it's where splinter is training with the mentor in the cage <laughs> The little tiny puppet is like, yeah, doing the karate, mimicking the mentor. <laughs> is that supposed to be funny? 100%. I think those are for the adults. What do you think? I feel like you don't think it's supposed to be funny. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. I don't even feel like you find it funny now. <laughs> <laughs> that was I, a real moment. Of I, mean, I never would have guessed like, oh, that. Oh, that kick was good. I mean, I thought, I mean, it's just super fucking weird in a movie like 
dousing me with super fucking weird imagery. I don't know if a, yeah. if, a, if a rat in a cage doing karate by the time by the time we're fifty minutes into the movie, I'm not I'm not phased by that anymore. I'm, but it's so cute and weird and like it's and bad, stupid. but it's also good. Like the rat hadn't even had the ooze by that point yet. It was no, able that, to train. That is that, that is a good yeah, point. What the fuck? <laughs> it's outrageous, but it's so funny. It's outrageous. <laughs> Yeah, you know he's what? He's literally the best rat possible to get mutant ooze on him. Because <laughs> no, he's, he's already gifted. <laughs> Not only does that, but he gets four turtles. Like this, is a, it's a real banner day for, yeah. the, for that oh rat. Oh my god! Yeah. So, and I, that's so funny. Your dad, you had the exact same experience. That's exactly what me and my brother. We always talk about that. I didn't get. I I always Maybe liked when thing, my dad I would laugh it so much. Over I didn't the laugh years. either. We didn't laugh either. But yeah. I remember my dad saying how it was funny. We were like, we didn't, we didn't. We were just like, oh. were they just mocking this movie that you guys liked so much? Oh, he definitely was like oh, okay. laughing. He was laughing at it. <laughs> you, you know? stupid idiot. But but I can see if you're adults <laughs> making it, like if you're a legitimate filmmaker, aren't you gonna laugh at that? I don't know. As an adult. Yeah, I get why a kid wouldn't laugh at it. Well, of course, I knew they were well, making. They, they must have known. Like we're making a silly thing here. Like when exactly the amount of like the head comes down, and I love being a turtle. Like they're making a Great. lot. There's a of lot of iconic silly, lines. silly. Oh yeah. Well, it was funny because you and I were both watching the end of the film at the same time. Yeah. At our desk, and you cackled, and I'm like, "That's only a cackle for the rat cage scene." Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, "I wonder if Mike's watching it." And then you were, and I was like, "Hey, Mike!" You're like, what? I'm like, I'm watching that same scene too. <laughs> like, which is weird. Like, we were like, "That's like, oh, it's a great man, scene." That's funny. Uh, what else do I like? You said iconic here? lines. Oh, a lot. Uh, Wayne Gretzky on steroids. I remember Ninja Vanish. It's a Kodak moment when they're hugging. Like, so many things came rushing back to me and were so visceral. Like, I just, I was like, my god, like. These lines meant so much to me, and I've actually just abandoned them over the last 20 years. But seeing them again, it just made me feel good. The line I always loved was when that foot chase you were talking about earlier, and Raphael goes over the cab, and the guy in the back of the cab's like, What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. You're going to LaGuardia, right? Still going to LaGuardia, LaGuardia, right? That's the funniest line. That's funniest the line. best line. Yeah, you sure. know, that's the For scene sure. where I put in my notes. I feel like they watched Ghostbusters. Ah. And they were like, the thing that Ghostbusters kind of got right is the idea that in New York City is so crazy and shit happens that you could have ghosts running wild and still doormen would be like, another night on the job. Especially 80s New York. That's like, kind of nuts. like, yeah. that, like that um, angle on how people in New York yeah. just deal with extraordinary things. The disaffected service worker who's yeah. like seen it all. Yeah. Yeah. So when that happened, I go, that scene literally could have been out of Ghostbusters. Like it could have been mm-hmm. like a ghost ran totally. through the cab and then it's like, you still Big making time. it? Yeah, we still got to be somewhere, right? Yeah. Whatever that is. The guy, it just felt advanced for uh, a kid's film. Totally. Yep. There the was guy, a few moments. The there. guy in the back seat, the guy who played that guy, is the guy who uh, both did the voice for Raphael and was the only guy who was in the Raphael suit. Like, everyone else had, like, voices and... That guy was that good at karate? Apparently. And he's done a lot of... I don't even believe Are that. we sure that the I guy s- in the back of the cab wasn't Michael Imperioli? <laughs> <laughs> We'll check it. No, in a because bit. those guys all had to be like four. Eight. I'm tough. So we're saying that guy was four. Eight. He was sitting you, down. I bet you that there was like he. I'm, I'm sure it was he was in the acting scenes, and then when there was the martial arts stuff, they put in like some. But I'm telling you, I swear to God, I didn't make this fact up off the top of my head. That guy, and he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Like he was on Suits, and he was he's he's been a working actor for for many many years. Good for him. Shredder is biting 
Darth Vader, right? Sure. Oh, he even says, I'm your father. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of like uh, sort of borrowing and illusions and sort of like a grazed hits going on here. Like there's a lot of inspiration. But again, like uh, for me, like a lot of it worked. I thought there was a very meta scene where when Raphael early in the movie comes out of Critters, he goes to see Critters at the theater and he's got his trench coat on. Oh, of course. And yeah. he looks at the thing. He goes, ah, where do they come up with this crap? Mm-hmm. And it's great. like he's obviously in a movie about extraordinary fucking yeah. mutants. Have you ever seen Critters? I haven't. I haven't either. Have you? No, I wasn't sure if it was a real movie. It yeah, is. The yeah. name rings a bell, but yeah. I remember the cover from the video. Yeah, store. me too. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah and there's the many. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sweet. I mean, was there anything else before we move on to uh, things we didn't like or Well, we want to do performances and scenes oh, my and, bad. and all that. Hey, Johnny, it's the first one of the new it's season. All good. I'm still finding my way. It's all good. Uh, so that's what we liked. What was the best scene for everybody? I'll let one of you start. Ooh, the best scene. God. It's a good question. I'll start because I know why. Sure, sure, sure. So, like I said off the top, the one that stuck with me and still, still works is when uh, these guys think that their mentor and father uh, could possibly be dead. And then Leo, you know, makes a connect with them because Leo, again, the good son, is the only one meditating while everybody's fucking around in the, the, at the farm. He gets them all together and the collectively, the four of them are able to reach Splinter who like shows up in the flame and he gives them words of advice. I am proud of you, my sons. Tonight, you have learned the final and greatest truth of the ninja. And then the fucking, the puppets are crying. And like, I remember being a kid and it is a heavy movie for like, you know, an eight-year-old or whatever. Yep. And I was like, I'm excited to see the scene because I wonder if it plays as cheesy now or if it actually resonates. And I thought it totally held up and the music was great. And I, that scene kind of transcended the stupid circumstances of the film and sort of the, the world we're living in. Yeah. I think that scene is great and very uh, dramatic and it hits the right notes in a movie where you think would fuck that up totally. Yeah. Like it didn't. Yep. And for me, I'm going to go back to the flashback scenes. I thought those mm. were They're really, really well, done. really well done. And especially the, the scene we're talking about in the cage yeah. where, where Splinter's doing all those moves because it's, it reminds me of one of those things you'd see in a script or you would just write when anything's an option before you even have to fucking do it. And then the director's like, Rat, little baby rat splinter <laughs> in a cage doing karate. <laughs> Fuck, how do we do this? Like, do just to figure that out <laughs> in, in 1989, presumably when they shot this movie. Yeah. It has to be so difficult. And they nailed it. Yeah. Like, it's comically good. Yeah, well, when the, you see the dead wife and then the, the dead master, like, the way that the shadows play, like, so you have two artfully du- done. Yeah, it's like this, like, kind of like... Uh, For a kid's movie. The just, light just shines yeah. on though, the dead. I yeah. know. That's I mean for any film for sure, but for like a movie that's aimed laser at little kids, the fact that they took these big, bold artistic choices were, were, were yeah, like crazy. If I was just to show someone a little like two minute scene just to impress them and even make them laugh a little and be like, this is oddly artistically done. It would be that flashback scene, right? And dirt sheep to shoot. Yeah, yeah. You just need a room and some fucking Good lights. Point. You know, a so little lighting. Like, how do we do this? Yeah. Just get me a studio Good and we'll, we'll do it. And it's like it is. It's almost like a short, like an art house film. Yeah. So I know what my I should have known because when on my first day of film school, the they had they had us do like an assignment where they said, okay, just pick any movie and and uh, uh, it's like a little essay and do and write about your favorite scene and a scene that really affected you. And I sat down and the first thing that came to mind when I was sitting there was when they come back to the to the sewer and find that Splinter is gone. 
and the mm. idea of the camera, and there's Dean mm. inside, and they bust inside, and it becomes this handheld camera and this handheld thing spinning around Raphael, and he's screaming, and it comes to the thing. So it's this big, heavy, emotional thing, and then there's like a little jokey beat of the guy like walking by the sewer, like, oh, what the hell? He hears that? the yell, and, yeah. And it's a great. Uh, I love that scene in particular because it really highlights one of my favorite things about this movie, which is that it's a kid's movie that doesn't treat me like a stupid little kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That there can be like a big emotional moment of their mentor and master being taken. And they're not like, Oh no, what are we going to do? It's they literally have like, like Raphael has like a mental breakdown. Like, and it's a real, it was really emotional. It really got me. And it really stuck with me for years and years. And if you're a kid, what's like your biggest fear? Like yeah. your parent being taken away Great from you point. and being left alone. Like it immediately yeah. strikes at the heart of your fears. Yeah, they, they do a good job of keeping them, as teenagers yeah. in this in this movie like they're really hitting the teenage part like they are kids yeah regardless of how adult their problems are and raf did a great scream there yeah like it's not just like ah, it's like it's there's like a there's lot something... of odd emotion there yeah. and it like it's and scary the shaking and then the like to, to do like a handheld like it's just it's such a bold again all these bold choices for a kid's movie is, is great okay guys who was the best performance in the film I would have to say April. April. That okay, could, cool. I'm, they could I'm have totally... so easily cast some blonde Megan who's Fox. just hot, who's some babe. <laughs> Megan Fox. Great point. Megan Fox does the role in the remake. And she's, it's you terrible. Know. Really yeah, bad. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but. Uh, I've seen about 20 minutes, so I should I watched the whole thing and it's, don't yeah. bother. That's but real bad. She could just be some woman that'd be like, she's pretty. And then it's like, you don't even think twice about really having a good actress. She's great. Totally real world. I believed it. The way she reacts yeah. when she sees them for the first time oh is real. Oh my god, that was great. It was so good. Hi. That's how you would act yes. if you uh, 100%. Pearl. I agree, April. Yeah, she was great. She got across everything. Like <laughs> she was tough. See, she is reacting properly. Like that is like my because I was worried about people not really reacting to these mutants before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of like when Casey Jones sees Raph for the first time. He can't quite know. He's like, what are you, like a bald punker? Like he doesn't. Yeah, with wearing green makeup. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> eh, I don't know. It's yeah. a pretty weird looking mutant. Anyway, uh, I thought she was great. Yeah, she like, she kind of got to play a bit of everything. Like excitement, fear. There's that scene where she talks about having the vintage shop and she keeps it open at a, at a loss yeah. because her, she wants to be close to her father. I'm like, just little lines like that that are connecting mm -hmm. part. Really, they just need to get to the next fight. The foot, foot soldiers have to yes. come and fight in that area. Um, but they just add that line and you go, I kind of just learned something about her character and it yeah. like makes her more sympathetic, more likable. What's and her name? Judith Hogue. I feel like we keep saying April and I want to say her, her real name because of, well, maybe if she acted in some more movies, I guess that's true. Her. Armageddon. But, uh, she was great. Yeah, she was awesome. So much, such a huge heavy lift to be acting against like guys and like Jim Henson puppet mm -hmm. things. And she has to be, play it real. It was great. All right, boys, it's time to move on to the case for knocking it off the pedestal. There's a few. Uh, right off the top, I'm a little annoyed that such petty crimes are being committed. And why is Shredder being handed a wallet? when it, <laughs> that's he, a, I thought that too. And I looked at the hands. I don't think that's Shredder's hand. I think that is the hand of a Foot Clan. Of a, even, even worse. Why confuse me that much? I know. Just I have thought it all I be double street myself, hands. Though. It that, didn't read a Shredder to me, but it's a good that point. That was clearly like a big boss's hand. And it's like no one's just grabbing a wallet like that. Right. And it, for a movie that has a guy named Shredder in it who wears like metal shit on his hands, just stay away from that confusion. Just have it be like a dirty guy's hand. And it's like, oh, they pass it around a lot. Yeah. 
I thought that really bothered me. I thought <laughs> just to talk, if we're going to start on Shredder, I feel like everything about Shredder bothered me this time around. Sure. He's a big bad. Like he's a, but he, it's not just, it, it's not just that he's a big bad. So first of all, the guy they cast to play Shredder, I've thought this since I was a kid, is like way too small. It's like a diminutive guy with this giant helmet and his clothes are a little too billowy. And it's and, and I was expecting to have this like big, intimidating, imposing guy against the turtles. And he just always looks like a tiny little Japanese guy. Even really? as a kid, really? I thought there's no way he has that voice. Yeah, like it all, it never fit. And, he didn't and, seem physically small to me. He read as big compared to the turtles. I don't, to I, me, I don't I know. know I never I've thought, always like, thought it was a weird casting choice to have uh, him be like, and the headdress clearly looks way too big on the yeah, little guy's head. I agree. And the clothes are thing. And, and it's just well, like, uh, this guy can't. It looked like a Halloween costume. Yeah, it looked mm -hmm. weird. Oh, it definitely like it looked like he had like, you know, shoulder pads like from the 80s. And it was kind of a, like, it looked like a football uniform. It reminded of me of Spaceballs when Rick. Yeah, yeah great call. Yeah. But he didn't yes. seem small to me. But that's interesting you read that. One thing I do like, or that's how you read that, is. Like, at least they casted, you know, Asian actors. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they could have easily just gone the other way. Americanized but like, the whole thing. Totally. And, but, like, yeah. a lot of the Foot Clan was, you know, Asian. Obviously, his number two in charge dude with the mustache. I don't remember his name either, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much these guys that. guy wasn't that. in Dumb and Dumber, was he? He wasn't the guy who, in the fantasy scene, knocks. No, the, the, sh the okay. chef? I didn't no, no, think no, no. so. You're just racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not Jackie Chan, is he? <laughs> um, Mr. Miyagi? <laughs> Anything else? You know well, what we haven't talked about at all yet, and we've been talking for 45 minutes, is uh, no one's mentioned Danny. Oh, uh, look at my number one thing for bad. <laughs> Danny is the fucking worst. Really? I oh, you feel that like way. Danny? I don't hate him. Oh, I hate him. Danny. I wrote Danny sucks. Danny's the worst. Danny sucks. I hate Danny. <laughs> Everything. I I think Dan, I hated it. He has like a face that you just kind of want to punch. I just hate that kid in this movie. Well, which is perfect for him. Is like, it? He's, yeah. We're supposed to feel, like, sympathetic, and he's supposed to be this avatar for how we're feeling, but I don't know. I, I didn't give two shits about this. I don't know. He this, seemed, like, so lost to me. And oh, he's just a bad actor, and, and I, 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 like, Googled his name just to see who it was. Michael Turney. Oh. They never did anything again. I, well, my 90, fingers were crossed that you were going to say Michael Imperioli. 90% <laughs> of it. You and your runners. I love him, Mikey. 90% <laughs> of it, his casting in is. In the early late eighties, early nineties, was if you had red hair, you'd get a role like that, right? <laughs> if he doesn't have red hair, he's never in the turtle no, film. It's just, it's just, and and the, the way they end his storyline, where after everything, his dad's like hugging him, and he's like, "Danny, what happened to you?" And he's like, "Dad, it's just Dan now, okay." Damn. Like, so what? So Dan, he's grown up. Like, he was sort of a youth rebel, know. and now it's like, I'm an adult, and I see the way. Listen, he was necessary to the plot. I don't. I didn't find his performance offensive. I think that you needed him, it. obviously, <laughs> to sell the turtles out and then to ultimately save them. Because without him and his connection to April O'Neil, there's no way that Shredder and them can get to the turtles that quickly. Like, there's a couple things that needed to happen. Oh, I get why that, a character like him, yeah. should exist. But it was performed terribly, and the, char the, con the conceit of, like, this kid whose dad loves him and he's kind of like i'm like i don't care about i won't die on danny hill but i certainly don't feel the way that you do about him oh i he every time he comes on screen it really it bugs me and it's like stupid face when shredder's like <laughs> what does this shirt say sick it's or all sid, sid every, and nancy i, I looked oh. this up every single 
time he's on screen, he's wearing a, a, a Sid Vicious T-shirt yeah. because the director wanted him to be this punker. But obviously, he couldn't tell because he's clearly not a little punker. But, okay, he's a little so when Splinter says the image on your T-shirt is what the, they represent, that's no, Sid no, 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 no. The symbol he wears headband. the symbol on your forehead. That's well, the, that was uh, the Shredder symbol. Okay, and do you think it's irresponsible that uh, Splinter was telling people like? Every father loves their son because that's probably that's not, <laughs> that's true. not true. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought it. I think in, in a perfect world, it's 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 a nice statement. I know, but what if you're a kid and it's like you yeah. don't have a dad around? It's like so you're my like, dad oh. loves me, but he's then not around. Hold, then you hold out hope that you, your dad is 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 There's a rat somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> is is like there's circumstances beyond his control that are keeping him away, but he loves you somewhere deep down. Okay, I, I thought I thought that was a little odd. Selling hope, man, for a kids movie. To give that message, like, don't worry, dad definitely loves you. It's like, he might not. <laughs> I guess that would be a weird message. That would probably be a weirder Your message. Your dad may not love you. Some dads don't. Some dads don't love their children. You never know. It's complicated. And also, his dad was a wiener and a creep. Yeah. The whole, the the whole boss. thing. You can flush that whole family out of this movie. Guys, tell Charles. me, why was the boss at April's place or was... April at, at his place? Well, because the chief the chief of police arrested Danny so he could put the squeeze on Charles to tell April to stop investigating the cops. Mm-hmm. But Sarah had a similar my wife had a similar question too. But so whose house were they at? They were at they were at the dad's house because she'd just been mugged. So she didn't feel safe going home, I don't think. Wait, so no, it's her apartment she was at. Is that her apartment she with was the broken she, window and yeah. when he takes the money out of the wallet? Yes. She so why her, did he bring Danny to her apartment? That's what because, I was wondering. Because he had, he literally, the idea you gotta is. got to keep an eye on him. He went right to the police station. Bailed his kid the, out. Bailed his kid out. The police, the chief of police sat him down and All said, right. look, I'm not going to put your kid in jail. But in exchange, you're going to tell that April O'Neil that you're not doing Back stories off. about how bad I am at my job. Right. It's not clear enough, though. No, it's not. This is a, but that being, I want that gets me into another, a larger issue that I had with this movie: the 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 cop, the whole cop subplot, which is a, a, things that may not age very well, are this sort of like anti-police, pro-vigilante, and that kind of gets me into my Casey Jones problem. Okay, that. This starts to live in this in a world for a kids movie that actually somewhat kind of resembles like Dirty Harry and Death Wish, which are movies that I like, but it's weird. It's a weird tone, a weird kind of conservative tone for a kids movie to be like you can never trust the cops and you can never trust the authorities. You have to take matters into your own hands when these like thugs and criminals are trying to take over your city, and it's just it's weird. And Casey Casey Jones kind of embodies that. Like, you can do whatever you want because they're the bad guys. So beat up whoever you want. And it's yeah. weird. And he didn't really have, like, a thing where he only attacked bad guys. Like, he turned on Raph at the drop of a hat. Like, big he was time. willing to just beat the shit out of him. Just want to fight. With two bats. And, and, yeah. the, and the biggest thing of Casey Jones is at the end of the movie, when Shredder falls into the dumpster... <laughs> And Casey Jones, in cold blood, just, oops, just kills the bad guy. That's a horrible death. My note is literally Casey Jones casually committing murder. Yeah. Oops. I was like, what? What? And you see it, like, really crush his skull. And I'm like, like, oh, my God. That's a step too far. Yeah. So we don't really know Casey Jones' motivations ever. We know that he used to be a hockey player that didn't make it a whole season. That's Mm -hmm. all the background they give us. And then other than that, he's just a psychopath that likes to fuck Mm -hmm. people up. Another thing, and this is like a, a classic movie complaint, but, like, in all of New York City... Casey Jones just happens to be sitting three blocks away on a roof when Raph comes out to blow off some steam and do Doing some his, exercise. Doing like, his rooftop gymnastics 100%. Because it was like, when they, I forgot it. And then so like Raph is up there, he's like, oh, 
oh, and he's angry and he's blowing off steam. And then it shows Casey Jones just sitting on his roof. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. I'm like, yeah, is this how I this agree. goes down? Especially, and he's especially like, when out. at the beginning of the movie, Splinter gives this very long speech about how strike hard and fade away, never be seen, vanish without a trace. And then like 10 minutes later, he's doing fucking parkour on the roof. with yeah, Casey. He's a rebel. I know. I'm just saying yeah. that. But, okay, beyond being a hockey player, Casey isn't specially trained in any martial art form, I'm sure right? there is some backstory. There must be. He just has a weapon that's yeah. a little unusual. He He's wears nuts. a goalie He's just mask a psychopath. and he carries a hockey stick. But when all these ninjas are around and the turtles are in a little bit of trouble, Casey shows up and the ninjas act like, oh, shit. How Casey's about the fact here. that they can't take on the ninjas? But they all get away in this thing. But Casey Jones is standing there by himself. So they couldn't take on all the ninjas. But Casey Jones himself with a hockey stick and take on I didn't all get the ninjas Why? by himself. It's just a, a hockey stick's just the worst bow. I don't bow. know. There's problems with Casey Jones up and down. Yeah. Include- yeah, I thought I was maybe missing something. Like in the no. comic books, maybe he's like specially trained. In the comic <laughs> books, he's like, in the comic books, he's like nuts, nuts. Yeah, that's the thing. We haven't talked a lot about this. That it was it's a, that this is an adaptation of like a very, very, very dark comic book. But yeah, in the comic book, he's he's crazy, and he's built way more right? huge. Like, like he's yeah. he when he's, he's like, like physically like, imposing. Yeah. Where if there if that same scene happened, they would stop because this giant six nine gargantuan is standing there with a hockey stick and a hockey mask, and it should be scary, not this like kind of lithe Greek kid. But hey, <laughs> a charismatic actor. He's and great. A he hero pu- in the Greek he- Canadian community. <laughs> that that counts for something. It does count for that. And he that's the the if I wasn't doing this pod and I wasn't trying to think of the character critically, I may not have had that many problems with him. I could just kind of let what he's doing kind of wash over me more. Yeah. Can we talk about trench coats and the turtles? <laughs> okay. Why even have a scene where Raph goes in disguise as the trench coat if we don't establish it every time they're in daylight, they like they didn't stick to that. The next yeah. when, when they're with April, they're just four turtles walking around without trench coats. That's a good yeah. point. So like, why even do the trench coat and the hat and go? To yeah, all I thought they trouble. were establishing a thing like this is the turtle disguise that we're all going to pretend we can't tell as a turtle. Then they just abandon it and then there's no more trench coats. I feel like, like why do that to me? I feel like there's a lot of ADD storytelling in this. There's a lot of like pick something up and put it down and kind of like the trench coat thing. I feel like Raph's entire arc, his entire story just like ends halfway through the movie. Yeah. And then the second half of the movie, he's like cracking. Wild. He's just a normal turtle again. Like the, he's, the, he's just, I feel like there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. like that where they just sort of, but I do wonder if that's a kid's thing well, because I don't need to, it's almost like episodic throughout the movie. I think a function of being an adult too, is I found this time around, I got very bored of the fighting. Like I know when you're a kid and that's why you go for it. But right. it's like, by the time we got to like the third battle, I was just like, I like all the fighting. Keep it moving. I did think they did fight scenes better than most. They I weren't agree. lazy about it. They, they constantly moved. If it got too boring on one level, they're like, okay, now this guy's got to break through the floor. Now they're at another spot. They where- were thought out. I, I agree. And they, they weren't like, they didn't look bad. I just, at some point I get bored of watching dudes hit foam rubber. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm like I like I did like the, the story. Yeah, I just got really fatigued. And by the time we got to the big battle at the end with Shredder, I was like, let's just get it over with. Oh, the battle at the end with Shredder is such bullshit. Yeah. Everything with Shredder. These guys are work. used to being a team. Like sometimes, like when they did the the roll where two turtles roll together and fight. It's like, why with Shredder are they like it's unhonorable to not to to double team them. Why do the one-on-one thing? Each guy. Yeah, why take turns? You're getting your ass kicked. And how come their martial arts all of a sudden suck? One oh, fight also, at one move yeah. at a time. 
sticking with my Ghostbusters theme, how much did it remind you of the four Ghostbusters on the roof with, oh, with yeah. Zool? New York roof and yeah. and they're like, how are we going to do this, guys? And it's like, don't think of don't, you know, don't think of this. And it's just it the whole sort of setup with the cameras and the facing the one person, the way that they face Zool. Yeah, I was like, I feel like they're borrowing a lot from 1984's Ghostbusters. Which, by the way, pre-internet, if you were going to like. What's our comp? What do we really want to do? We want to do Ghostbusters, but for kids with turtles. And how do we kind of hit those beats? Mm-hmm. I, if I was one of those guys that was like writing that movie or putting it together, producing it, I just think that they totally bit a lot from Ghostbusters. I'll agree with that, especially because, you know, this movie was like written in like 1985 and it took like years to actually get made. Because, Interesting. Because they thought that the movie was going to be too dark and not really for kids. So they made the cartoon first and they kept like putting off, like making something like this. So a lot of, so the reason why it's so 80s, even though it's 1990, is because it really was started like right after Ghostbusters came out. Mm. So it does make sense. that how, it, Ghostbusters hits so big. How is it's not possible to not have that in your head? Uh, this is very nitpicky. But did you notice when uh, they're watching TV uh, drooling over April? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then she she singles Raph out as a special turtle. And then they're like, ooh, Raph. Hey, look. I think he's blushing. <laughs> I am not. I am not. But his voice wasn't Raph's voice anymore. I didn't notice that at all. No. Did you guys not notice that? It's no. not Raph's voice. I like that scene. The, 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 the I'm not saying I didn't like it. Ribbon. Oh, You're it, just saying that it was a different voice actor. I think it was the same voice actor. He just forgot he's Raph. He didn't do his Raph like, voice. I am, he's like, I am not. He's playing embarrassed. It's an emotion rap. I don't know if I noticed rap. it. But I mean, maybe if I listen to it, I'll... Uh, I, yeah, I'll, the listeners can make their own decision when we yeah. play that clip. Yeah. yeah. I'm not seeing it. You're wrong. <laughs> okay. I can't wait till people hear it. <laughs> it's Ray Allen all over again. Okay, so I, uh, here's a... This is a little nitpicky, but uh, when Casey Jones saves her life, uh, April's life, and then they're at the, the old farm, and he's telling her that she lost her job... <laughs> April goes way too off the handle at Casey for nothing. But it's not nothing though. Like she, she is, she's taking in. It's almost like shooting the messenger, right? She's taking in that. She's been through a lot, man. I know, but I just think she's been through so much. It's like the least of her worries is she doesn't have her, that job right That's, now. Yeah, and she's being way too mean to Casey. I thought oh, she likes him. I thought the whole. Yeah, I, I thought the farm was speaking of being bored. I've always thought the farm, whole farm thing. As a kid, the farm bored me to I death. I wrote right here when I was a kid. I always fast forwarded through the whole huh. farm. Scene. Hated always. it. it I fast forward right to the beginning of the super fight. I like the farm now. This time around, it's, yeah, I do like the farm way better as an adult. And the farm scene flies yeah. as, as a kid it seemed like this was a three-hour movie this is when it I, maybe it's it was with april's narration and how it's a little melodramatic it's, it becomes yeah. a little drawing it's, the it, sketches yeah and, it's, it's almost like it becomes a different movie real quick mm-hmm. and it sort of like stops me and takes me out of it i'm not big i'm not uh, that that's more of a nitpick for me too uh, i have a, a large i have a larger thing which is i was gonna talk about it with shredder where i want to actually ask this question what was shredder's plan What's the bad guy's plan in this movie? World dominance. Is that what he wants to do? Do I dominate so. the? I actually wrote. Well, that. Is what he's doing dom- is he's building a new Foot Clan in America, in New York City. So that is his. But but like by by. You take, you, take TVs kids, and you take domestic kids. You take domestic kids and you give them a family or a sense of belonging. That uh-huh. They don't have these street kids, right? Okay. And then as they come into your organization, you identify the ones that might have potential as ninjas. So then you train them up. You get them to become ninjas. So now you're growing. So you. Your so army. his. Uh, he wants to take over New York and then America. What's and a mob boss's goal? Money and power and yeah, get people insane. underneath you. Okay. 
That's to me, that's right, fair, his goal. Fair. To me, it felt to, to me that did not feel clear to me of what exactly Shredder's goals were. The, and the other side of it is what were his goals with kidnapping Splinter? So get this. So I, I thought about this. So here's the deal. His goal was to basically like run New York City, have power, money, and like this mini army that he was growing. Okay. In fact, the police didn't even, they didn't have a name for it yet. That's how sort of like clandestine and sort of um, um, uh, effective it was for him to build this. He was in the beginning stages of growing this sort of thing that he brought over from Japan, I think they said. Uh, and the reason that his shit got fucked up is because he was made aware that Splinter and these turtles existed. So first, remember, he wanted to take out April because she was asking too many questions. Right. She knew what the Foot Clan was. So he's like, take her out. The turtles get in the way. He's like, these turtles, what? And then he hears they have this fighting style that he recognizes from Japan. Now he's like, this poses a threat to my empire. Splinter's just a lure to get the turtles to come out. But he doesn't even, like, tell them he kidnapped them. He just sort of tell, like, why not even kill Splinter? Like, I don't understand the... They were torturing him. When we and next see him, he's hanging by If you kill Splinter, the turtles aren't going to So he come. wants to get to so the idea he is... He wants to eradicate the threat. Get the turtles are the only threat to ruin these guys because they have the better karate skills. But then why kidnap... If they know that and they know where their lair is, why not just fill it full of people and just kill them right away down there? Like, why take the... the it just felt like a strange plan. Well, the turtles weren't there, so they don't know. So it's like the chance... So you're saying wait for the turtles just, to come yeah, back. Yeah, I know what, what, if never, what, if, what if he's like, what if Splinter's like, they left and they're never coming back? And it's easier to kill the turtles, uh, I think, on your home turf than go into their sewer. Like Lord get, knows get what they got come, in there. All right, I get it. <laughs> I come, love that these these come to my little skateboard ramp of a uh, ramps and arcade yeah, games. And yeah, I don't got a problem with that. I got it. I think that he was just like right. any other mob boss Fair motivation enough. sort of deal. Uh, okay, uh, can we talk about the Casey Jones massage? Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was, he was hot. a little aggressive no. with oh. that massage. Extremely aggressive. They clearly just wanted to set it up for the turtle wax joke. But, <laughs> but yes. Which was a great joke. It's a pretty good joke. Uh, even though Casey and April groaned. And I was like, all right, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, the massage was ridiculous. Like, and even the way he moved her hair to the side, I don't know if that's like a Greek-Canadian move, but it oh was boy. like, he like, yeah, it was like, she's like, don't touch me. She actually had a very sort of physical reaction to his first touch on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of like physically threw her down to the chair and went to work. Did you buy their romance at all? I did. I liked their chemistry. I have I that in my notes. Did, yeah. Yeah, I did too. I just was. <laughs> I, but also, I, I wanted to. You really led. I don't know if one of. Just saying, I do, and it's in, in a kids movie way of that. Like, I guess you don't like in a more sophisticated movie. You got to lay more groundwork. Of course. But for a kids movie, for a kids movie, they like each other. They're good looking. And and does the chemistry? He massaged work? her into Bet- into submission. Yeah. <laughs> between the between the actors, they had a spark and it worked. I did feel bad because. The turtles were in love with her, but then they were supportive. And I was like, yeah, I'd be kind of bummed and jealous. You know Michelangelo what? calls them sis at one point, and I feel like, way to go, sis. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like that's, that's the, the turn point? that now they're like more siblingy. You know when they're canoodling on the porch of the farm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're just like kind of hanging out. And then you hear like from way back there, it's like, hey. And then Casey's like, oh, I hate when you do that. Do you remember that? Like Casey freaks out on the turtles for scaring him. <laughs> oh, okay. But I don't remember that. Oh, it's it's, the, to say it's it. the weirdest scene. Literally, the turtles couldn't have been more polite and warned them, like, hey, we're coming. But Casey Oh, is this like, when they show up and they'd be like, it's time to go back? Yeah. Yeah. I hate when you guys do that. Yeah. It's like, what did they do? They, they just, warned you from as far away as possible. <laughs> like, turtles I did, coming. I did think of it. Like, there's a field. Like, you can't you can't see. These. Yeah, I did think that. Little yeah. stuff Giant like turtles. that Casey me. is a man on edge. He's a vigilante. Yeah. That makes sense. He's Charles Bronson. Like, sometimes people just are, they're inexplicable. They're jumpy. I know? know. Be jumpy, but don't blame the turtles. Well, I don't think it's definitely, I don't think he's necessarily a rational human being. He walks around with a mask beating the shit out of people. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> and do that, okay, 
do the turtles like are they sexual beings? <laughs> this question I've pondered for years. Oh my god, are they sexual? I mean, they must be because they have the hots for April. They must in some. They must have some sort of teenage libido. Do they have teenage? Do they have turtle penises? Because you know, people are like, "Oh, where's their dicks?" But it's that's like, how what I was thinking the whole movie. <laughs> no, I, 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 I never knew where the turtle dick is. When Raph ended up in the garbage can in the fight with Casey Jones, this conversation Jones. has gone off the. Road. <laughs> When Raph ended up upside down in a garbage can after the fight with Casey Jones and his trench coat fell down and his legs were in the air, I specifically was like, I wonder if he has like a little turtle penis. Yeah, where are turtles' dicks though? I don't know. I don't know, man. Oh, man. We'll have to look that up. Like, I wonder if they're actually. But I mean, now they have. They're always friend zone. Well, they also like, have like big human teeth now. So I wonder yeah, if they grew like teeth. a big <laughs> human <Turtle> dick. Are the turtles circumcised? That's what I want to know. That's a great question. Well, the secret of the ooze. <laughs> ooze. Um, guys. Wait, I have one more question. I have one more thing I want to bring up. Do it. That at the very, very, very end. Yeah. That I did find it very strange. Yeah. That the kicker, the very last joke of the movie is when Splinter goes, I have always liked Kawabunga. Hmm? Huh? Kawabunga! Love that scene when I was a kid. But that's not funny. A, a, it's not funny. And B, it's a self-referential joke just to the cartoon. The only reason yeah. why Splinter always preferred it is because they said it a lot in the cartoon. Sure. So in 1990, that joke makes sense. But now it's like uh, when you're removed, uh, it means that you're specifically making a very specific reference to the 80s cartoon that this was kind of based on. Eh, you're overthinking it. It's just, it's just dad showing that he's loosening up and he can come down to their level. Here's for my problem with it. It does show that he's loosening up. And it's not that it's not funny. It's that it's not a joke. It's not yeah, a funny. But how many times have dads made that kind of comment? Like, it's like, guys, I'm ready to get lit, you know, like, or something like they trying to get down to the kid's level. It okay. is lame, yeah, I think, because I it's the dad trying to hang it's with the kids. lame dad humor? Yes. Mm -hmm. And he's okay. just showing, like... Do we remember the end of Secret of the Ooze, what he says? No, no just, he makes another funny. Yes, that's it. Oh, <laughs> I made another funny. <laughs> I made another funny. <laughs> go, Ninja, go, go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. Ninja, Ninja, rap. When we were children, did we love Secret of the Ooze more? I remember Vanilla Ice was in it. And that was a big uh, deal. And Rocksteady and Bebop were in that one. I loved oh, I it. Did. I enjoyed I it. I love Secret of the Ears. I like Turtles in Time. I liked oh, all. I hated I Turtles hate in Time. Turtles. When I was a kid, I didn't know any better. I liked the video games. I liked I liked Ninja Turtles. I was in like Even a Ninja as Turtles a kid. cult as Maybe a kid. I was like Old 13 West by the time. Sucks. Yeah. Ninja Turtles 3, Back to the Future 3. Samurai Time. Anytime they go. Although Back to the Future 3 isn't as bad now as I thought it was then. There's some problems with Back to the Future. I just watched it a week ago. I always compare Back to the Future 3 and. Uh, Ninja Turtles. Totally. But I'm just saying it's not the huge heaping pile of shit I thought Back to the Future 3 was when I was younger. I, I guess can't. I have mental block on Back to the Future 3. Secret of the Use, I remember thinking that the subway, their subway layer was very cool. I remember that was Oh, awesome yeah, they got me. a way better. I couldn't remember if they got that in this movie. I go, oh, now that they know where they, they are. scouting for a new yeah, layer. Yeah, that was a cool uh And the pizza cool looks so awesome in Secret of the Ooze. And yeah. I but do like that. I movie. do compare uh, Back to the Future 2 and Secret of the Ooze in the sense that they're so much more fun than the original in a lot of ways. Yeah. Agreed. There's I, a, there's, yeah. yeah. This movie, yeah, I mean, we can get into Secret of the Ooze. We'll be here for another two hours, <laughs> fellas. Uh, so we are at that time in the podcast, dudes, where we are deciding whether we're going to keep Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the pedestal or are we going to knock it off the pedestal? Who would like to go first? Shane, go for it. Mike never goes first. I'll go first. Do it. This was my note at the end of the film. 
This movie is way better than it has any right to be for a kid's movie based on a comic or cartoon. I agree with that. I think that this movie is a really fucking fun time. And obviously it's got the same flaws that any superhero movie has or any sort of kid's movie. But for that genre, uh, I think it holds up and I will watch it uh, probably with my daughter when she's 10 or something like that. So for me, I'm keeping Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the pedestal because it's, it's fun and uh, it feels like a time uh, capsule in some ways. This movie's a little dark. Uh, and I was kind of bored at times watching this movie like I found it hard like I was like oh shit there's more movie left <laughs> but it's a great movie like you can't you can't deny it like there's a lot of craftsmanship going on the cage scene for for some reason they did the um early on they had the uh, a flashback where it didn't go to the cage scene I was like did I forget that this cage scene happens in the second movie or something I was like where's the cage scene point is yes definitely this movie belongs on a pedestal. It's so well done. It's it's better than so many movies that bore me out of my mind, like Black Panther, which I just saw, which I was so disappointed in. And this movie, I thought, is really well done. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with both of you guys in that there's some flaws, but I mean, for, for a weird kind of indie movie like this, there's going to be flaws. But I mean, as I was saying earlier, the big, the big, crazy artistic choices that they made with the Jim Henson heads and making everything kind of dark and grimy and, and, and really kind of like swinging for the fences for a movie like this. And it, and it worked way more than it didn't. And I think it's, it's an awesome. And I think it's kind of a shame that I think it's kind of fallen out of memory for a lot of people like you, like uh, uh, it's kind of hard to find. It's, it's one of those movies that I think a lot of people haven't revisited since like the early nineties. And I really, I think, you should revisit it. It's, 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 it actually holds up really, really, really well. And for our listeners to find it, just go to www.youtube.com. Type oh. in the word Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Ninja and it will and show then up. Plus Turtles. <laughs> That's how I watched it. <laughs> um, I will say since we started this pod and like going back and actually sitting with the film again, this one I probably found the most delightful only because it triggered so many childhood feelings yeah. and memories it's for fun. me. It's fun. It's just a Fun yeah. movie. Like, it's fun. What do you guys think it uh, has on Rotten Tomatoes? This one has to have 84%. No, it's got to be low. I feel like people must have, I feel like critics, like, shredded this thing. I would say 40. Intended. I would say 40. Johnny, you nailed it. 40% of Rotten Tomatoes. Bam. What? With the consensus being, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is exactly as advertised. One-liners, brawls, and general silliness. Good for the young at heart. Irritating for everyone else. Brutal. Yeah, I guess we're young and hard. That is bullshit. Guys. This is the first this is the first time we've all said Is this one, the first consensus? First yeah. consensus, yes, on the pedestal to start season two. We're getting soft in our old age. Uh oh. Cheney Boy? What? A boner joke? Oh, uh <laughs> <laughs> Why is that always the first thing you ask? Strong, strong way to start. And that's uh Nope. No, uh <laughs> What is the book is closed it's on this? Time. I think it's time. See, you gotta know this. It's time we close the book on this one. Nailed it. You used to have a, used to have a better book. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Fairly you can use that. another take. Put a sound. No, nope, put that one in there. All right.